0: you chose this week's midweek mention I did well I chose it twice because
1: I originally chose something and then I got brave and I chose the big one Mm.
2: what was it originally going to be I can't remember
1: it was originally going to be Stardust just because it's a a guilty pleasure of mine it's got a bit of a an ensemble cast you two guys especially hadn't seen it but there was a bit of a link and then I had to change the top five for the the main show oh yeah you you
2: fucked it and then
1: And then I thought, uh, seeing as that's going to be sand, one of the sandiest films I know is Lawrence of Arabia. And Peter O'Toole, bizarrely, is also in Stardust, albeit not for very long. But I thought, and I've been aware for some time now of the fact that Reeks has not seen Lawrence of Arabia. And it's quite a, a nice little position to be in for me because there's a few classic films that i haven't seen that everybody's been like absolutely aghast at
0: a nightmare on Elm uh, street I, I, three for instance I've, i might have seen that <laughs>
1: things like off the top of my head like papilla i'd never seen um you have never Bird seen the shining Man. had you You'd never i've never Sh- seen the shining yeah, yeah there's g- loads of what i would say are very iconic and classic yeah. films almost like must see yeah films and yeah. this is right up there yeah, and With if you consider yourself
0: a cinephile and you haven't seen it,
1: they're the ones who are interested in kids. Is that yeah. right?
0: Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah, cinephiles. Yeah, S- yeah, yeah. Uh, no, absolutely.
1: Like you guys, very much are bigger cinephiles than 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 I. And so, Regs, really, especially as uh, one of the main protagonists of this podcast, you you had to have seen it. There's a little smirk on your face there, Regs. Like you didn't fucking bother your ass. And, yeah, and I no, I, be-
0: I still haven't seen it. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah.
1: Are you pulling my
0: leg? I'm not. No, I'm not. I did, this, this week has been a, we didn't even know we were going to be able to get podcasts together. It's a four hour film. My process is usually to watch the movie twice. And half the time I end up watching it on my phone, I'm like, I'm going to see one of the epic movies of all time on like a 16 inch, you know, screen or whatever. So no, it didn't happen. I will sit down and watch this one day. But you know, this is, it's, it's a big commitment bigger than that it's- uh, yeah as, as i pointed out to you it's it's less of a commitment than the fucking marvel
1: week that you like put me through
0: yeah i know yeah when you added that stuff up as well it was yeah it was yeah. an eye-opener yeah i feel I like do this, feel um, bad just- about it it's a gaping hole in my cv but it just was never gonna happen this week
2: well then we're, we're done i don't want to spoil too much of it for you but also in a midweek episode, it's going to be tricky to run through three in a three quarter hour plot in its entirety so so we'll keep it brief, but we'll talk about why it's so amazing why it's what so I would regarded. say
1: what I would say side it's like the, the plot in itself is not it's not that much massively convoluted there's some some events likes, that happen
2: yeah there's a lot of camera riding.
1: There is a huge amount of camel riding. Yeah. Really I mean, is. why do we why do we start at the beginning? So the, the film opens. He does
2: die. Yeah, he dies right, right at the, the beginning. So big spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. Yeah. Yeah. So which I was thinking they, they, that for maybe a, a top 5 of uh, where the the main protagonist dies right at the start. I, I don't would. know if you know the story of his life, but he he has a motorcycle accident and yeah, passes away.
1: And this is so this time that I watched it, I think was my third time all the way through. And for some (laughs) reason for for some reason in my head, because I hadn't watched it for quite a long time, I had it in my head that the that the death was almost like clouded in a little bit of doubt. Because you just see you don't actually see what you see is is him driving along. Initially in the opening credits you see like a sort of from above shot of him like walking up to his bike a couple of times and I think giving it a little polish or whatever. Then as soon as the film opens you see him hurtling along on his bike this is in the days where helmets were not a thing so he's just got some goggles on yeah and he's absolutely hurtling along and there's a it's more of a noise some screeching of tires and then you just if you hear a a big like crunch and then you just see some goggles hanging from a tree yeah it's
2: almost a little bit carry on that that bit (laughs) it is it is because of the technology and how you're used to seeing crashes these days this is quite primitive, but it doesn't. You know, it doesn't take away from anything. Then it cuts to, uh, I think it might even be St Paul's Cathedral. Was it with his memorial service?
1: Yeah, well, it was it either that or Westminster Abbey. It was definitely. Yeah, it, a, was, it was. pretty a haughty, big, haughty, dominant. Haughty. Yeah,
2: and, and then you go through basically a who's who of British actors. Of that era, and even if you don't know the names, I didn't know what their names particularly, but you recognise people from all of these other films that you've seen from that era. They're fucking all in it; everyone's in this, and then they start telling the story of who he was, why he's got a big lavish, you know, the whole
1: story of his life. So the 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 main kind of thing you take from the from the memorial that's that's being held, I d- it's it's not clear whether or not it's the funeral or just like a, a memorial, but yeah. What what is clear is there's there's like there's reporters there and everyone's asking about it. there's so much kind of like mystique around this character Lawrence of Arabia there's a lot of people you know they'll say oh did you know he's like yes and they said oh, okay well you know what was he like you know were, were, were all the stories true was he really that you know like enigmatic and stuff like that and they said oh well I say I know him like I shook his hand in the mess hall in, 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 in Cairo yeah. or whatever but very few people that are there and there's masses of people there actually know anything about him because as you find out in the the story he is very different he is very enigmatic and charismatic but also misfit certainly in the in the, the amongst the ranks of the the British army so it then cuts back to i think it is cairo back at the beginning of of his time serving in the in the British army and I should know this but what sort of time is it it's the. I think it's about half
2: three. Yeah, about <laughs> but 19, 1935 was was when um, he died, so yes. it would have been before that. Um, it's it's
1: set in the first world, first world war, so this is first world war is is going on, and the British are in what I presume they're in Egypt, which I presume was still part of the empire at the time, and you've got this. Well, he's called character. in to
2: see his commanding officer, isn't he?
1: Yeah, because I think that there's an opportunity that's come up. Lawrence has, has done a bit of studying. I mean, he's very he's very studious. He's he's very sort of interested yeah, in in, in the culture. Him. Yeah, he is a misfit, and he, but he's very interested in the, in the culture of the the places that he's visiting and so on, and wants to kind of immerse himself into it. So he's certainly done his his homework. And but he is because he's a bit of a misfit. He's a little bit sort of insolent and a bit. Yeah, so he, he
2: looks down on them. He thinks he's better than them in a way because he's he is an educated man. I think he's Oxbridge, some sort of university education, oh. and he certainly feels like he's got a, a level of superiority on even his superior officers because yeah. he just knows more than them, and, and they they don't like that about him. So he's he's basically sent on a really really vague mission. <laughs> Yeah, to go well, and learn he, stuff, basically. He's he's
1: also the the bastard son of a lord, isn't he? But he'll he'll never take on the title because he's not uh, as a, you know because he's a bastard. Mm. But yeah, he's there's an opportunity they see to to send somebody out to meet with and effectively kind of like shadow Prince Faisal, who's is he a what is he? Well, he's
2: a he's a, a prince of of an Arab yeah. tribe. Yeah, Prince Faisal is leading a revolt against the Turks, and this is the first sort of point for me to talk about because he's played by Alec Guinness, Sir Alec Guinness, right, in blackface. It's there with brown face, yes. black face, and there's quite a lot yeah. of it in this. Even Omar Sharif, I think, it looks like he's got some makeup on to make him look more... It's like, well, I get, you know, certain things, you have to make things look like a certain way on camera. but And they go out of their way to say that how amazing his makeup was and how convincing he was and when he was walking around, because everything here is on location. This is not, mm-hmm. you know, Pinewood Studios or whatever. This is, and they say, oh, when well, Alec is walking around and fucking... Brown face, everyone thought he was the real Prince Faisal, and you're like, <laughs> Did they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a sign. I think it's of just a cultural times. touch point that you wouldn't have it done that way now. Yeah, I'm but this movie
0: re- is what, how many years old now? This? It's 60... 62. 62
1: years yeah. old.
2: So, 60, no, it was made in 62. So mm. it's it's 60 years old. It was made at fucking years. It was, years, but yeah, it was released true. in 62 yeah so yeah there's there's that sort of thing to to be aware of in it that um you know different attitudes at the time
1: yeah but he does he 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 travels out to to meet with prince faisal he goes off with his he's got a Bedouin guide there's, there's yeah. him and this and this other guy tafas and they're on their camel uh, camels the, the, what they do so brilliantly in this film and and the reason one of the reasons why it's so long albeit I'd like to add it doesn't it doesn't feel like onerous as you're watching it but the scale of everything is absolutely fucking frightening and and they do that because this is the journey that this guy made you know he's had to go on this Fairly epic journey just to even get to to this post that he's been put in. So you sort of see him learning how to ride a camel a bit better. There's a really poignant part right very early on where he stops to have a drink of water, yeah. just like a small cupful of water. And the Bedouin guy, he he says to the Bedouin guy, "Will you, he goes? Are you not drinking?" And he says, "I'm Bedouin. You know, I I I live in the desert. I don't need to drink as much." So Lawrence pours his water back into his bottle and said, "I'll drink when you drink." And that's like his. He's got this kind of like it's defiance, but it's also because what he wants to do is immediately he's- immerse himself into the culture, be accepted, and also not be seen as as either superior or inferior to them.
2: Yeah, he wins over like that. He he says something earlier, really early on in the film with with a match. I think he's putting it out with his fingers, or he's doing something, and one of the guys says, "Oh, doesn't it hurt?" You're, you know, they think, "Oh, you're weird." You know, does that not hurt you? And he says, "Yeah, it does." But the trick is to. Not let it bother you or not let it, and yeah. that's what he sort of takes through the rest of the film. Is in these like perilous situations or he's out in the desert for days upon end, which would kill anyone. Later on, they have to cross a, a you know, in inverted commas, uncrossable bit of desert to get somewhere, and he has to go back to rescue someone. And he does, it, and, it, and it's like I just don't. He doesn't let it phase him. He's got that like superhuman constitution that he can just put up with anything, just yeah. about.
1: And he's he's got a pretty sort of like you know jovial disposition most of the time but you know there are things that happen along the way that do get to him and and it seriously affects his mental health all the way through this story but he he keeps kind of plodding on nonetheless I mean before he gets to Prince Faisal there's that absolutely iconic scene which even you must have seen Riggs of him and his Bedouin guides stopping to to drink from a well and there's the the music, and you just very very slowly see a man on a camel, an Arabic guy on a camel, coming closer and closer. And this is Omar Sharif, kind of like riding out of the the desert. And before before the the guide gets to, he, he sees him coming, shot, and like he runs over. A couple over. of
2: minutes or something. It is, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite yeah. long because it's such a deep field of whatever focus. Yeah. They they had to create a lens. It's a special four hundred and eighty-two mil lens yeah. made by Panavision. They still have the lens. It's known amongst cinematographers as the David Lean lens, and it's never been used since. If you think, well, just crack it out if it's that good. Like, you know, yeah. everyone have a go. But it is amazing. You know, you see him in the mirage then sort of appear you even see it in stupid things like you know, the book of Boba Fett you know when the bounty hunter appears mm-hmm. and it, it feels like everything's referencing yeah. because it's so iconic but yeah. yeah he just guns the guy down it's like drank out of my well without permission so you fucking gone yeah.
1: yeah and and Lawrence is very sort of put out by that he's he's sort of you know befriended this guide and the fact that he's and he's even uh, he's even annoyed or irked that, that this guy doesn't want to shoot him because he sort of sees that he's a British army officer and and respects that, whereas because this guy was just a Bedouin drinking from a well that he wasn't permitted to, he yeah he got the treatment he got blown uh, away. What's it? So Omar Sharif's character, who is called Sharif, it's Sharif, yeah, but but yeah, Sheriff Ali Ibn El Karish, to use his full name. So
0: he
2: takes before, he, before they do anything. He like when he's shouting at him, Lawrence of right? Arabia, does say you know you'll never get anywhere you're just killing each other all the time you know and then you know his whole thing is about uniting everyone yeah in, in this campaign against the turks
1: Yeah, because how can they fight the Turks if they're sort of fractured themselves? But yeah, Sharif takes his cum playfully and then Lawrence again defiantly says, look, I'll find my way. Manages to do so, makes his way to Prince Faisal's camp. And that's where, you know, there's another British serving officer who outranks Lawrence, who's already there. He's like a bit of an aide to Prince Faisal. And he effectively says to Lawrence, look, you know, let me do the talking, don't say anything. But straight away, the prince... Played by Sir Alec Guinness, as we said before, takes a bit of a shine to him. You can see that he's and starts actually asking his his counsel there. He's he's thinking, you know, tactically, how can they get a bit of a, a foothold in this in this conflict with the Turks? They they know that a very key target or or what's it called location is at a place called Aqaba, which is right on the coast. The Turks have got it, but it's it's only got guns that face out to the sea. Because they've got absolutely no qualms or c- concerns that there's going to be anyone attack them from the rear because, as Sid alluded to before, it's an uncrossable piece of desert that takes... I, I didn't really get a feel for it, but I think we're talking... Weeks, a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking weeks of desert crossing, and a period, I think, of, of days where they they will not drink at all. They basically have to drink their last. But they they go to a well, and then I think it's a number of days before they will reach another well. They get concerned about the camels dying and and all of that kind of stuff, which is obviously leave them uh, high and dry. As he says, as they're they're doing the crossing, he's kind of taken on these two, I guess, t- what you call servants, but you know they they're they're it's very orphans, willing they? to. Yeah, yeah, two orphan boys who are very willing to. They want to. They're fascinated by this character at this stage. All of the the Arabic guys have taken to calling Lawrence Orans,
0: Orans, um,
1: Orans. Yeah, for whatever reason. And one of the one of the guys in in the caravan, I guess, he falls off his, ho- oh, his horse his camel in the middle of the night because they're, they're having to travel by night because of the heat during the day. And when they come to the following day, or when they they reconvene, Lawrence realizes that this guy has fallen. So. He says he's going to go back, and they they're like, "Well, you know, that's you dead because we've just crossed. It's inhospitable, and and we're you know we might die anyway." He goes back, manages to to find this guy, and then bring him all the way back to to this kind of like this next well where they're where they know that they're probably going to be okay from that point. And at that point, all of the the Arabs, I guess, accept him. And they they give him robes, don't they? Like they give him like the, the Arabic robes. And Sharif, who's previously been a bit of a a bit of he's a, bit he's a bit on the fence, he's bit on the fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he he immediately just sort of you know almost this guy's like, the real deal. Know, yeah. yeah, just goes like, oh, listen, yeah, that, that that's that's you've gone above and beyond there. So anyway, they take Aqaba, you, you know, using only sort of what's it? It's only about fifty men, I think. Fifty it men. Is. And and they, yeah, the prince yeah. gave him
2: fifty men. Yeah.
1: I think they probably lost a couple along the way, but because of the element of surprise, they take Ackerbert, imprison some Turks, but sort of get rid of a lot as well. And then Lawrence decides that that's, that's a good point in which to, to report back to Cairo to, to say that, 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 you know, what he's done and that this has been a success. And this film is in two acts and that's the end of the first act, really, isn't it? It's just, that's it. I mean, we, we've not done it anywhere near enough justice at this stage, like the scenes, the score.
2: Yeah, I guy's going to say I mean, that You'd recognise the score as soon as it came on. It's like, oh yeah, fuck! I haven't heard that in a long while, but instantly yeah. recognisable. Yeah, no. There's, but, yeah. there's a lot of places in the film where you can just. I was just like, I'm just going to pause that and just leave that shot on the screen for a little while because it's so yeah. fucking epic. There's one, I can't remember. It's in Act One or Act Two, but. It's like a sunset over the desert, but it's by the shoreline as well. And it's just so immaculately conceived. It's just amazing. And it's yeah. just visually so stunning. It, it, it's a must-see. I mean, it's, it's like a sort of cliche where you say, well, they don't make them like this anymore. But they really they do. don't. <laughs> they you know? do. This, no. this was a 14-month location shoot. Yeah, with in, like 10,000 extras yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's just absolutely unbelievable.
1: Yeah, And I mean, I I don't know about you, Side, even on the third watch, that that first act, which is a couple of hours long, it it flew by for me. It's not a, I'm not there going, oh, come on, oh, where's that bit or anything like that. There's none of that at all. It flows. The rhythm of this film, it's not a fast-paced film by any stretch. Some of the, the, like, there's some battle scenes and there's some, you know, stuff where it definitely, where it quickens the pace. But it flows the entire way through. It's not like, as I say... It's weird. The one to, to the one that
2: I I bought the director's restored or well, whatever it was edition on Amazon. Uh, and it, I thought it was broken because it starts off with four minutes of just music, with like a black screen. I thought, oh, something's not right. Just skip forward and realised, how it was. It, you know, it was just like a really long intro. See I, I had the same. You yeah, are it must actually be, I've... given you are actually given the intermission and it's the yeah. intermission. It's not like it just cut back into film. You get a proper, it's like, I've got a pause button. I can just like. What did you do? Go and get an ice cream? Did you use your intermission no, I just, or fast forward it? I, I was a little bit just checking the runtime because it's the the part, the first part of the film is a lot longer than the second part. Well, a lot longer. It's probably about. Two hours to an hour and a half, something like that. So I just wanted to see, like, when I realised it was an actual intermission that they'd given you, just how long an intermission actually was. I can vaguely remember going to the cinema and having intermissions in films back in the
1: day. Yeah, yeah, I, but, I remember um, that.
2: But yeah. I can't remember how long they were. I mean, this one was probably long enough to go for a piss. They were,
1: they were five minutes. It was comfort break. It was five minutes yeah. at the tops. It wasn't so that you could go and, like, get hot dogs and pick a mix and shit it was well, no, cuz you used to have the
2: concessions thing in the, in yeah, the yeah, exactly. uh, yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah. Yeah. I don't think we need to plow through like everything that happened. No no, no 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 He's basically he ingratiates himself and becomes almost completely one with the Arabic people. He unites them all and they they go on all these various different missions to do things. He's he seriously doubts that the office boys back home, you know, behind the desks have got designs on what they want to do with this empire. And he's like, "Are you going to do anything with these people? They just want to be left alone." I, you know, they keep asking me, "What have you got designs on it?" You know, and he wants yeah. to be able to tell them that no, they're going to be left. We're going to get out and leave it all. You know, and he, but he doesn't trust the you know, the top brass one bit.
1: Yeah, well, there's a, a bit of a recurring theme. Is it, is he this? You know, this after act one is one of the is the first time that he goes back to to Cairo. Each time he's increasingly less uh sorry he's increasingly more reluctant to go back he feels himself changing he feels himself effectively becoming one of them yeah well he rocks up in bits the ropes, of him. in
2: his in his arabic robes with the two orphans and he yeah, goes into the office mess One like, because one of them's died in
1: quicksand
2: uh, he has to kill the other one he yeah that's the sort of thing along the way he's fucking ruthless like he kills
1: no he do- he doesn't he doesn't kill his his. um he does he a, does, no, he kills. He kills the guy that he went back to save. He, has he kills to one of the guys
2: who gets injured because if he gets captured, it'll be even worse for him. So, that, right,
1: sorry, sorry. Yes, he, sorry, yes, he does. That, that's like a yeah. that's a mercy yeah. killing. But yeah, he yeah. I mean, him. Wh- another another thing he has to do, which is very oh, the, uh, I the, guess, the feud thing. significant, is that you know when they pick up along the way and and um, they pick up Anthony Quinn, another guy in brown face, his his tribe. They seem a bit more kind of like you know, less like tactical and considered a bit more barbaric. But anyway, there's a blood feud between one of his camp and one of Prince Faisal's camp. Lawrence, because he he doesn't want to lose the, you know, the the togetherness that's been built, he says, look, rather than, you execute, uh, carry out the execution. I'll do it because I'm neutral, and you—you you guys are still one sort of uh, Arabic army. And then they, the crowd, like disperses, and you realise it's the guy that he went back for to save his life in the desert oh. that he then has to execute. Not only does he, he does he do it? He then admits back in in he headquarters in Cairo he that he it. actually quite enjoyed it. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, Stiffy. it's. it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he he then, as the side says, he, he you know they they then go around it's sort of like tactical strikes on trains and and some places that are occupied by the Turks. Very much of the the rest of the story is is just you know what's happening to Lawrence. He at one point he gets captured by some Turkish soldiers. There's um, yeah, rather I don't know. There's a bit of a weird scene where the, this Turkish kind of like high ranking guy. It's almost like he's got designs on like maybe bumming him. It's, it's it was a, a little handsome bit. Man. It was a yeah, handsome no, no, he was he was he was a handsome man, and I've, I found out found out some interesting stuff about the the guy. The actor is Jose Ferrer, who plays this Turkish Bey B Y. But anyway, they he, he manages to to escape that and effectively returns back to the like the yeah the british headquarters in cairo with all of his work done with the arabs having effectively conquered the you know or, or reclaimed the the areas that, that the turkish had, had taken but it's it's pretty much destroyed him as a yeah, character
2: he's, he's been promoted a couple of times i think he's up to yeah. what is he up to major or something at the end yeah um and he says oh, i'm gonna fucking resign you know he's totally disillusioned with the whole system um and they're like you're fucking crazy like don't do anything like in the heat of the moment just stay on you get like all this money military pension blah 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 um yeah. he's like no fuck off like i don't want any of that and he just <laughs> Re- fucks yeah. off and crashes his motorbike
0: oh, I see, really, really it, markedly
2: what there's a scene at, is where
0: the, it ties back into what happened at the beginning then with the yeah
1: you don't you don't see that again what you do see is as he's leaving Egypt, the goggles you see the tree. no you get, as, he, as he's leaving egypt you see him just he's in a jeep and he sees a guy fly past him on a motorbike and and obviously there's a nod to, Oh, that's a bit of me, that and that's ultimately what kills him. There is a really poignant scene back in, in the mess hall in Cairo where he's he's in his rags and he's he's done all these like unbelievable things. He's become basically a general who's led an entire army to to victory in, in multiple battles he's he's as successful a a general as there would have been in the british army and he he finally gets because everyone sees him as this weirdo slash misfit and he finally gets all of their respect there's a bit where they're like cheering they're all patting him on the back and stuff and it's it's phenomenal acting because whilst he's getting all this adulation he's devastated he's terrified he's like almost like crying because that's not what he wanted he doesn't want the respect of these guys because he has no respect for them whatsoever no. but because mm-hmm. of this you know these successes yeah he's he, he's got something that he, he never really set out set out to achieve he just wanted to help the people that he felt didn't have the same opportunities and advantages as 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 him or, or the british you can't so do this what's film the,
0: the nowadays they would probably talk about the white savior trope does that play um, out here where you have a bunch of you know, people who there, there are is, saved there
2: is, by a white hero i mean that's essentially the film you know yeah. he is the white savior well, it, if you want to yeah, look at it but it's essentially
0: the true
1: story of, if, and, and what is what is is very very relevant is that he is both he is incredibly respectful of of the arabs and the arabic culture uh, and immerses himself into it and that's why he you know it's it's uh yeah so it's, considering it's when
0: this was made it, in the 60s they it sounds like they've gone out of their way to show that he was trying to ingratiate himself into the completely and, and
1: and again he he brings one of his his like his servants in inverted commas back with him to the, when the first time he goes back and he goes up to the bar. He orders two glasses of lemonade. Obviously, they're saying we can't serve him in here. This is like an Arabic kid. We, we can't serve him in here. He's like, I just give me two glasses of lemonade, and and you know, he he manages to get them. And then he's like, right, I want a room with a do- with a bed with fresh sheets and fresh linen and blah 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 and everything. And they're like, yeah, of course, of course. He goes, no, it's for him and it's for his servant. Mm-hmm. So he he you know they they go to great lengths to show that he is incredibly sort of respectful he hasn't he isn't this like knight in shining armor he basically just you know it almost by accident became this this sort of like figurehead as part of you know alongside the arabic army but they have incredible respect for him i mean Omar Sharif's character cries at the end when he knows that he's not going to see him again. Anthony Quinn's character's, you know, still a bit, you know, still got a bit of the barbarian in him and he's he's less less bothered about it. But yeah, th- you just cannot do this film justice in in a, in a half hour rambling on a podcast. <laughs> the only way you can do it, Justice Riggs, is to fucking watch it. I know, it. I know.
0: I've got to sit there's, down
1: and watch it. There's I'd loads of cool gobs- stuff about it. I'd be it. gobsmacked if you didn't think that this is yeah it a, sounds an great absolute classic
0: it sounds great or- you know and i but i know the original was like a 70 millimeter presentation and all this and it's like i just want to see you know i want to be able to sit down and just watch it and enjoy it and not like have to worry I, about
2: i acquired it so we, we, we can do it in the man cave one day on the big screen there's there's some cool stuff like all the all the journeys in the film and there are fucking loads they're all left to right all the movement happens left to right to give you that feel of this continuous movement in one direction you know that is it never ends never ends they they would they would take forever setting up these shots they're on location it was 14 month shoot in Jordan Spain and Morocco and then constantly having to drink you know because it's hot uh, they had these plastic cups um, and they would they'd be drinking water set up this big shot do the shot and then the plastic cup would it's just melt. blow across it would just blow across the shot and fucking ruin it. Oh, no. And it happened loads, so they had to they had to change to uh to proper porcelain. And they would have uh,
0: been you know recording all on directly onto film as well, which yeah. was a physical film. It would have cost a fortune.
2: They'd have to keep it in the right conditions. I bet loads of it would have yeah just what ten, a nightmare. Ten Oscar nods, and it would have had an eleventh, but someone forgot to To submit Phyllis Dalton's name, she was the costume designer, and the costumes are like bang on. So, you sure that would have that would have. What been did it win? One. Yeah. It won editing, did it? Oh, I oh, think it won. It won a load. It won the, all the the biggies. Well, better editing
0: apart from, from
1: anyway.
2: They don't no, need that. It
1: anymore. didn't win. Didn't win best actor because Peter O'Toole um, has the record for most nominations without a win. I think it's eight. All right, plenty's oh, really? brother. Um, which. <laughs> Plenty of time. I mean, that in itself is is amazing because if if a, a part doesn't define an actor's career as, as mm. much as this, I, I don't know what does. And yet he went on to this. That was his first Oscar nomination. I don't know what age it. I think he was like thirty. He's meant to be playing a guy in his twenties, and and he's thirty at the time. It's an absolute powerhouse of a performance. He it was it's, the first choice, ridiculous. though. They
2: wanted they wanted Brando. He didn't want to do it, and then they wanted Albert Finney, who was basically unknown at that point. Right. So it's funny how things you know all come together like this did. He had terrible trouble with the camel. He had blood oozing from his uh, his jeans when he was trying to learn to ride a camel. He said this is a very delicate Irish ass to his instructor. And then eventually he would add a layer of sponge rubber under the saddle which then became adopted by the actual Bedouin and they nicknamed him Ab al Isfanj. Father of the Sponge, <laughs>
0: Father of the Sponge. That's a good bit of trivia, though. Which well, I think it's pretty that,
1: cool. That is a bit that art is imitating
0: cool, yeah. uh, <clears throat> or life imitating art. There, where he's giving back to the Bedouin people again as his actual. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. Just a quick bit on that. Jose Ferrer, who's only in it briefly. The reason that he's worth mentioning is that Peter O'Toole said that he learned more about screen acting from from Ferrer than he did in in any class that he'd ever attended. But because this guy, I think he was a bit of a big deal, certainly in international cinema before this film, he was he was pretty unsatisfied with the with the size of his part, which is, is five minutes wow. or something screen time that he's got, yeah. So he only accepted the role in, on the condition that he, he was paid twenty five thousand dollars, which was more than Peter O'Toole and Omar Sharif combined, and Jeez. also insisted on them buying him a Porsche. Wow. So he got those things for
0: five minutes work, which
1: is yeah. not too bad at That's all. It's good but, negotiating. Yeah absolutely handsome
0: chap yeah yeah there's there's a million other things that we we could talk about review it again on the podcast i promise i'll watch it for the next i'm just
1: so angry that you made me sit through avengers endgame and i did it begrudgingly and you won't give this not as much as i like lawrence of arabia i would watch this film again
0: it's not i would like this it's just i want to sit down and watch it in a four-hour chunk on a big screen where i can just enjoy that and it just was never going to happen this week with your willy out
2: yeah, with you do that, ne- yeah you do need that intermission though, I have to say I know Pete you say it flows it does flow but you know you do get a bit numb bum you need to get up and just yeah. you know have a breather for a couple of minutes
1: third time watching I still didn't get bored and I will definitely watch this again I oh, definitely wasn't bored no yeah <laughs>